finish it up the first Sunday of the new year, because, um, you know, today I'm going to talk about Paul's life um, and how it relates to us, and then next Sunday we'll talk about Christmas, um, have a, I think, a great message for Christmas. It's uh, the best Christmas gift, gift ever, okay? So bring your family and friends. Uh, we'll have a great time together on the 23rd, that's next Sunday. Now, the 30th, we're going to have an incredibly special treat. Um, we have a guest speaker um, that many of you haven't heard from in a long time that will be here and be an, just an amazing uh, time together to start off the new year. And then on the 1st of, uh, the first of January, we'll talk about eternity. We're going to talk about, see, new year, new Jerusalem, new heavens, new earth. It's going to kind of all flow together. So that's what we're going to be doing. But a couple of things we want to put together first is we've been talking about this gift um, of the Kalahari for people who did their selfie um, post on our website. And uh, we said we, at the end of this, we were going to do a drawing. And so we did. And uh, we have a winner. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner, right? Uh, we have a winner. And so if you uh, were involved with uploading a selfie, you were in the mix. Um, and so drum roll, please. All right. I don't know if you can see this or not, but look at the picture on the screen. These are the winners of the Kalahari. Come on down. <laughs> Julina and Will, come on down. Family, congratulations. Thanks for being a part of Metro Believers Church and participating. Sweet. Yeah. So uh, another thing, we have this uh, um, ugly sweater contest. This was the ugliest sweater that we could find, okay? I know. It's not even that ugly, but, but it's the only one I have. And uh, the other thing was come bare-chested, and I didn't want to do that. So that would have been ugly. That would have been ugly. So... Uh, especially with a port in my chest. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask Allison or, or Matt to come on up real quick, and, and Jordan and Alyssa, they're going to give us the winners of three different categories. Um, and Matt, what category did you have? I've got... I don't think you're on yet. Check. There you Sorry. are. Sorry. I've got ugliest and I've got funniest. What do you want first? Funniest. Sorry, but she's upstairs. She's upstairs serving. It's Mandy Petrie. Uh, she has a fun, it's fun, it's funny. There's a lot going on. So this one's for Mandy. Mandy. And it's a vest, so it qualifies. Jordan's pretty ugly, but it's a sweatshirt. It doesn't qualify. You heard that clearly two weeks ago. Giuliani, you got to come back up because you also have the uh, ugliest sweater in the entire place. Woo! Who puts garland on a sweater? Garland. It's blue and it's garland. That is the ugliest sweater I've seen all day. Congratulations. <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. So good. Uh, I don't know if you can see Alyssa. She's lighting up here. Again, not a sweater, but it's fun. Hey, thanks to everyone who brought uh, their holiday spirit. It was, there was a lot of sweaters out there. Hard to judge. So we have two as well. So we're upping it to four. All right, okay. so we have most original, and that category, we kind of judged it on based on, like, 
uh, just kind of like unique, you worked on it, kind of like handmade. Um, so that is going to be going to Will. You guys, man, are killing it this morning. What? So this is rigged. We gotta we gotta show this off because Will, Will has got sweaters on sweaters. Come on now, that's fantastic. Loving it. Nice job, Will. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to Kalahari and Starbucks. Both sweaters of you. on sweaters. So good. And then I'll let you do this one. All right, and we have creative next. Yes. All right, in creative, we have Miss Mary Marvel. Uh -huh. Little uh -huh. Santa's helper. Look elf. at that. She got the buckle. Awesome. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys participating. It's kind of a fun thing to do around this time of the year. Um, and so just wanted to give you an update on where I'm at with uh, this whole infection deal. Many of you know, about a month ago, I, um, I had to leave service uh, right in the middle because I got sick and went to the emergency room that next day and ended up in the hospital for eight days. And they found I had a bone infection in my foot that was, was traveling up my, up my foot into a soft tissue infection. So it was getting worse and traveling. And um, so they began to treat the soft tissue infection at the hospital, kept me there, and then eventually, eight days later, sent me home um, with a port in my chest um, that goes from my neck to chest to the heart that, that intravenous um, antibiotics go through on a daily basis at home. Um, and they're packing my foot, Vicki is actually, she's a saint, I mean, um, she's been doing all of this, just taking care of the foot, do the IV. I sit in a chair and she takes care of me. And uh, it's, been, it's been like that for the last, that's, she says it's coming to an end. Uh, better sit down here. Um, but it's just been a long process and it's going to continue to be a long process. Uh, my appointment is on January 11th. So until then, everything stays the same. And that's when the infectious disease doc We'll look at um, all of the facts and the MRI, new MRI or imaging to determine whether or not we've beat the infection or we need to continue the antibiotic or they need to take other measures, okay? So continue to pray. Uh, it's been a long process. Uh, it's frustrating for me not to be able to uh, do a lot of things that I enjoy doing. Um, it takes my energy, I guess the infection sort of creates this uh, extreme fatigue and, and causes me to be tired all the time. So that's a tough thing for me to do. So pray for me, pray that this infection will be gone in Jesus' name, amen? Um, and so that they don't have to amputate any part of my body. That would be awesome, amen? All right, so that's kind of the update on what's going on. Uh, today I want to just take some time and finish a message that I had prepared for you that Sunday that I was having to leave and, uh, and got sick. And a few weeks ago, we looked at, you know, back when this was all happening, um, we looked at uh, the beginning of the church age. And you can see up there, um, the church age started in that purple area. 
um, the birth of the church at 30 AD, and then it continued on through Peter and Paul's conversion and Paul's journey, and, and then the, the death of Peter and Paul, um, and then so on and so forth. And so today I want to talk more about that and what that looks like. And I want to give you some things I think that are going to help you that a lot of people miss in the story of the Apostle Paul. If you don't have one of our outlines, if you slip up your hand, our ushers will get you one. A lot of people miss this in the life of the Apostle Paul. But first of all, we found out uh, a few weeks ago that, that before the church could start, and I think this is, is very interesting and very telling, for, especially for us today, that before the church could start, um, Jesus said to his apostles and his disciples, he said, wait. Everyone say wait. He said, wait. Before the church could start, he said this in Acts 1. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Don't, in other words, don't go anywhere. Don't, don't try to go off and get started on your own. But wait for the gift of my father. The, my father promised, wait, wait until you receive this thing that you've heard about. Wait. You have to understand, John the Baptist baptized in water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy, what? Spirit. We'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We found out that the power, the power behind the early church was the Holy Spirit. And then we find out about this power in Acts 1.8 where it says that you will receive power. Everyone say power. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So after being filled with the Spirit, if you, if you, if you continue on in Acts chapter 2, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, 120 of God's disciples became cross-cultural missionaries and formed what we knew or now know as the church. That was the church. That's how it got formed. And the same power is available to us today. Can somebody say amen? amen? See, we also need to realize, and I don't know if you've caught this in your scriptures, we also need to realize that, that we, can be, we can be a believer and not be filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. A lot of people just think it's, you know, it's just one ticket deal, you know. But here's the deal. Check this out. This is your Bible now. Acts chapter 19, Paul is talking to believers, all right, talking to believers. And Paul said to them, did, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> they said, we don't, we haven't even so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. See, here's the deal. We choose, you and I choose, what we're going to allow to influence us and how we choose to order our lives and how we choose to walk this out. Are we going to do it in our own strength, in our own ability, or are we going to trust the power of the Holy Spirit? We choose that. And so today, today we're going to talk about um, the mission of the Apostle Paul. Paul. Paul was a central figure in the early church. This, that's why you hear his name a lot. Uh, he had, and his three missionary journeys, if you're, if you're a study wonk, you like to get into the Bible, study Paul's 
three different missionary journeys and how the gospel was spread through those three very distinct missionary journeys that are legendary as you study that. The Apostle Paul was a church planter. We talk about church planters of today. Well, the Apostle Paul was a church planter. He had an apostolic calling that allowed him to go into new territory and start something from scratch and break up new ground. In fact, the Apostle Paul planted 10 different churches and wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. That's who we're talking about today. That's, that's why you see his name more than once up here. We're talking about the, the birth of the church. The church is the body of Christ. Did you hear me? The, the church is the body of Christ. If I, if I was able to bring um, a roll of skin, if you were, <laughs> with me today, just a roll of skin and wraps, you know, sort of like that wrap they do around stuff, you know, to kind of hold it together, I'd wrap it around this entire group of people to indicate or show you or illustrate that we collectively are the body of Christ. We, I mean, you may be a nose, you, you may be an ear, you know, you may, be, you may be an elbow or a knee or a foot, but we are the body of Christ. And it's important for us to understand that we are, that we're part of that. We're part of the body that makes up Christ and his reflection in the earth. And we'll find out a little bit more about that body in just a minute. But the church not only is the body of Christ, but the church, us, we are commissioned to go into the entire world as witnesses of Jesus Christ and his love for the world. Listen, God wants every single one in the world to hear the good news of the gospel, amen, and come to salvation in Jesus Christ. So he created this thing called the church. In the book of Acts, as you read through the book of Acts and in the New Testament, epistles or letters, when you hear the word epistles, we're just talking about letters that were written to a particular area and then passed around for further instruction and doctrine to the early church. When you read about that, we see God using the church. That's us now. The church, us to find his lost children and to bring them home again. That's the church. That's the role of the church. That, that's not a church corporate. It's a church individual. It's, a, it's an ekklesia, Greek for the called out ones. That's us. See? And that, that's why God put us here. And that's the mission of the church is to help, help reconcile men and women and boys and girls to a saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the mission of the church, amen? And I believe that the church needs all hands on deck in order to fulfill our mission, both individually and corporately. Here, here's, what, here's what Paul said about the church in, in Ephesians it should be in your notes because this is important. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up or grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. Who is it? That is Jesus or Christ. From whom the whole body, check this out, joined and held together, notice we're connected, the whole body joined and held together by supporting ligaments, just like your physical body, by supporting ligaments, grows and builds itself up in love as, let's all say these last four words together, one, two, three, each part does its work. Notice, we all have a responsibility. (laughs) Did you hear me? As what? Each part does its work. You know, during this situation with my foot and the infection and all of that, I've really come to realize how one member of the body can affect the rest. And when one member is not functioning properly, it can it can take its toll on the rest of the body. There's so much to be learned, I think, about how the body of Christ is supposed to operate and the various nuances of that function by just looking and observing our body, our physical body. See, everyone, every, everything on me has, has a place, has a part, has a role. Just like our bodies, every part, both internally and externally, has a part to play, unless you're a tonsil, and I guess you're not needed. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, But every part, every, every area, internally and externally, has a part to play. And when everyone does their part in unison with the rest of the body, it is a beautiful thing. There's something to behold when the body is functioning like God intended for it to. It's also important to note, like our body, our actions affect the rest of the body. In other words, when we choose to do something that's helpful and beneficial, and we care for one another, and we step in, and we serve, and we do our part, it's beneficial to the rest of the body. Amen? But when we choose to withhold and not do our part and to be, you know, critical and suspicious and skeptical and do things that harm, then it's detrimental to the body. So your actions affect me. And my actions affect you. Why? Because we're part part of the body together. We're tied together. We're linked together. We have ligaments and muscle and sinew that, that cause us to be together and, and be affected by each other. Now, that's a sobering thought, but it's true. And I think that's why each one of us needs to take a good look in the mirror and decide, am I doing my part? And 
Am I doing things that contribute to the overall health of this body? See, Paul was given a specific mission to take the good news to the Gentiles. I don't know if you realize that, but if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. <laughs> and, and Paul's mission was to get the word out to us. How many Gentiles do we have here? Let me see your hand. Okay. All right, so Paul's, Paul's mission was to get the word out, the word of God, to us. How many of you are you're glad about that? Yeah. You know, that was his specific mission to bring the good news of the gospel to us Gentiles. Now today, there's somewhere around 2.2 to 2.5 billion Christians scattered all over the world from every race and every tribe. And it all started back in the beginning with Jesus. Then traveled to the 12 apostles and then to the, to, the, to the disciples, to Paul, who was responsible to bring the gospel to us, and then that is where you and I come in. God has given us a part to play in the Great Commission. And that's why I wanted this up here, is because I wanted you to see this is us. Nothing to do with the show, okay? This is us, all right? The great timeline of history. You see, from the creation all the way through the Old Testament into the birth of Jesus and the birth of the church. And here we are on this timeline in this area somewhere around 2000 plus AD. And here we are just before we enter into eternity, okay? Just before um, we have the, the culmination, if you will, of things coming together and the new heavens and the new earth and all of that that we'll talk about the first Sunday of next year. But this is us. This is our day. This is our time. Just like Paul and all the other disciples had their day and had their time, we Everyone say, that means me. We have our day and we have our time. And that's what I want us to capture today, is that we're here, this is us, and we have a job to do, we have a role to play, we have, we have something to do about the gospel being proclaimed to all four corners of the earth. Now, I want to take a little turn here for just a few minutes. I don't want to focus on something that the Apostle Paul had to deal with in his own personal life, in his own personal journey, that he had to do in order to fulfill his mission. That would have, all these things would have never been possible if Paul wasn't able to do one particular thing. In the book of Philippians, Paul makes a couple of incredible statements that I think applies to all of us. I mean every single one of us in this room, every single person watching online. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, 
And verse 14, he said, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. In other words, this is important. This is weighty. One thing I do. In other words, I don't have it all figured out. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I got it together. I've got everything figured out. I'm saying one thing, one thing I know, one thing I do. Here's what he said. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize that God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Paul had a lot of things to let go of. Did you know that? He had a lot of things to let go of. And that's my focus today. If Paul had not overcome his past, we wouldn't have two-thirds of the epistles in the New Testament, those 13 books that I talked about, and we wouldn't have the word that was taken to the Gentiles. Perhaps God could have raised someone else up. But how many of you think he played a very important role? Let me see your hands. Okay. So, every one of us need to realize, if we don't overcome, just like Paul, overcome our past and the things that constantly nip at our heels, to pull us back into perhaps something that happened years ago or maybe last week. If we don't learn to overcome that in our lives, then we'll never accomplish the things that God has for us. And here, here's, here's my question to you. What is waiting on the other side of your obedience? Who is waiting on the other side of your obedience. You see, because every time we overcome something that challenges us, every time we overcome or are obedient to something in God's Word that we weren't walking in at one point in time in our lives, every single time we do that, people, other people benefit. Did you hear me? Other people benefit by your breakthrough and your obedience. Who's waiting on the other side of your obedience? Who's waiting to hear the word? Who's waiting to be loved on? Who's waiting to be cared for? Who's waiting on the other side of your obedience? See, it takes courage. It takes persistence. It takes perseverance to overcome an area that you're locked up or paralyzed. In my 38 years as a pastor, I can tell you this, that I have found that nearly all of my pastoral counseling with people intersects at some point or time this issue of dealing with their past. Nearly all of it. And, and this is really, those of you that know me and have been around this church for a long time, know me, you know that this is kind of my life's message. Some of you may say, why? Why, why is that your life? Why? Because I had a lot to overcome. 
And I know firsthand how the enemy wants to paint our future with our past. I know firsthand how he wants to destroy us based on what happened in our childhood as well as our early adolescence and young adults. I know, I know what that looks like firsthand. I know, I understand. And it's been a passion of mine to help people understand that they can be free, that they don't have to live their lives tethered to the hurts and disappointments of their past. Because one of life's most persistent and powerful enemies is the past. We all struggle. I mean, we've all had issues that we've had to deal with in our lives, with failures and mistakes and sins of the past and continuing negative influence in our lives from others. Your past may include personal rejection. It may include physical or sexual abuse or emotional abuse, or it may include haunting failures or a love lost or bruises or some other thing fill in the blank that still hurts. It still hurts. As hard as it may be, as hard as it may be, letting go of the past is vitally important to you being who God called you to be and being effective in God's kingdom. Listen, I heard this some time ago this quote that'll appear on the screen, let it hurt, let it heal, and then let it go. Let it hurt, let it heal, and then let it go. That's what's going to happen. All of us are going to have hurts. But if we'll trust God, we'll also experience some healing. And as that healing comes, let it go. Because if you don't, Let it go as the healing comes, you'll go back to the hurt. It's cyclical. I found out that there's four things that happens about our past. And you've heard me say these before. First of all, the past is a thief. The past is a thief. I mean, it literally robs us. of our future and what God has in store for us. It's a thief. The past is a bully. It pushes us around. You know how bullies are. Kicks you when you're down. You know, rub salt in the wound. It's a bully. The past, it continues to make us a victim. Victimizes us. Why we replay that, that incident over and over and over and over in our minds and every single time we replay it, it gets worse. The past is a leech. It'll it'll suck the life right out of you that God has for you. It'll suck your spiritual vitality out. It'll suck your energy out. These are metaphors to give you an idea or a glimpse of what the past will do to you if it's unresolved. It's important for all of us to realize that your present and your future will be determined by how you handle your past. What are you doing with it? You can't change it. You can't go back. So many of us think, if I could only go back and do a do-over, if I only had it to do over again, 
I could have made a difference. You can't. And the enemy will eat you up trying to convince you that you can. Best thing you can do is leave it. Let it go. The unresolved conflict from your past will cause you and I to project. Project that hurt and that anger and that bitterness and that resentment on others that aren't responsible for what happened to you. That's why in so many different divorce situations, it doesn't stop with one. It can go to two and three and four in all sorts of other relationships because if we don't deal with the past and unresolved conflict, then we project it on others and we see them through those marred glasses, if you will. And that relationship becomes very strained and very difficult to change. Let me leave you here with three things that I think will help you realize that you don't have to live there. First of all, realize that God is bigger than your past. He's what? He's bigger than your past. And this is, this is where it gets interesting when it comes to this, this man by the name of Paul, who I'm not sure if you know this, but he wasn't always Paul. He had another name. What, can anybody tell me what that was? Saul. He don't realize that the Apostle Paul, wrote, when he wrote in Philippians 3, what I just read a few minutes ago, was speaking from experience. Just like I stand up here when I talk about this, I'm speaking from experience. This is not some, some message I pulled off the internet because it preaches good. This is life, my life. The Apostle Paul had a terrible past. I mean a terrible past. He was, he was the Osama bin Laden of his day. Perhaps that puts it in perspective. He hated Jesus. He hated the church. And he hunted down and voted to kill Christians. You just think about that for a minute. That's what we're talking about. That's the guy. I mean, look at a couple of the blatant things that he did in Acts chapter 7. You can see it in your scriptures for, for yourself. They had taken a man by the name of Stephen. In verse 55 it says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. <laughs> and this, this freaked him out. These people that, that were not happy with him freaked him out. As a matter of fact, in verse 57, it says, and, and at this, when he said that, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. Picture this. They all rushed to him and they grabbed him and they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named what? Saul, this is the guy. 
And then the first verse in chapter 8 says, And Saul, there he is again, Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. In other words, they were fleeing. And godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged men men and women off and put them in prison. Saul, this is the guy. Acts 9-1, skipping forward again. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Now, this is crazy, and this is the guy that you know, is destroying the church, coming down on the church, you know, throwing Christians in prison, and then after all of those horrific, horrific crimes against God's people, Paul had the audacity to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 2, look at at your notes there on the screen. He says, make room in in your hearts for us. We've wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. And we have exploited no one. How could he say that? <laughs> how could he say that? Right. How, how could a man like that say that after we just read all the terrible, horrible things he did? Because Paul understood Philippians 3.13. He understood that he was going to, one thing he was going to do, he was going to put all things behind him and press on. Amen. And as the scripture points out, as far as Paul was concerned, God was bigger than his past. So consequently, he had no past. He had been forgiven. He had been pardoned. The the slate had been wiped clean. And my friend, so it is with you. Amen? So it is for you. Second, thing that I think could help you is you're not the person you used to be. Chuck got it right when he said he's a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone, does that include Saul? If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new what? Creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And God made him who knew no sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And then in the King James Version, it says it like this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. Now, passed away is a term that that we use when someone dies, right? The term new creation literally means a new species of being that has never existed before. That's who you are. Come on. Chuck's excited. <laughs> a new species of being that has never existed before. What, what, if, what if that was true? What, what if that was true? What if you are freed from your past? What if it was true? It, 
it, it, it is true. Amen? It is true. There's a part of you that passed away. It died. We used to call it, back in the day, the old man, the flesh, the, the, you know, the old you. And, and that term, passed away, is something that we use for people who die. It no longer exists anymore. And the old you passed away. Amen? The question is, is what are you choosing to identify with, the old you or the new you? You're not the person you used to be. You're not the person you used to be. You're new. You're, you have a new God. You have a new life. You have new choices. You have new attitude. You have new thoughts. You have new habits. You have new lifestyle. You have new conduct. Why? Because you are a new creation in Christ. So stop acting like the old you. Ephesians talks about that. Stop acting like the old you. Don't raise your old self from the dead. <laughs> Amen? Number three, I'm about ready to close here. Number three, it's forgetting your, cho- forgetting your past is a choice, not a feeling. Paul said, this one thing I do, not try. God created you as a free moral agent, not a robot. You have a right to choose. Deuteronomy 30 says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Now, if you want my advice, he said, choose what? Life. So that you and your children may live. Notice who does the choosing here. God? No. We do. You, I, we choose. What are we going to choose, life or death? Blessing or cursing? God will honor whatever you choose. Because he created you with a right to choose. Listen, don't go by your feelings. Your feelings will tell you all sorts of crazy things. Letting go of your past is a choice that you live by. Not a feeling that you go by. Make a decision and don't go by your feelings. Yeah, but I feel, but I feel, but I feel, but I feel. Tell your feelings to shut up. For real. Get your feelings in check so that you can press on and press in and obey God and not let your feelings box you out. We know that to be true in our own personal life. A lot of us don't feel like going to work, but we do. What would it be like if you didn't feel like going to work, you just didn't go? What would happen? You wouldn't have a job. Well, the same is true with respect to your past or anything else written in this book. Amen? God wants us to be free. God wants us to enjoy the freedom that he died to give us. Let's stand to our feet. See, this is us.
every single one of us have a call, a purpose, a mission, a mandate. We have a mission as a church. And we're all connected to one another. What you do affects me and what I do affects you. What my foot does affects the rest of my body. And it's important for us to go about the Father's business and deal with some of the things that are trying to restrict us or minimize us or marginalize us from fulfilling God's call upon our life. We bow our heads for just a minute. The Apostle Paul um, really broke through in Philippians and overcame his past. And because of that, he was able to fulfill the mission and the mandate on his life that we all know about. question I have for you is, are you doing that? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to paint a brand new picture on the inside of you? And then doing what is required to walk in the newness of life as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Because every act of obedience and every act of overcoming benefits others. Father, I pray for this church. I pray that each one of us would get serious with you to the point where we would say, enough is enough. I'm going to let go of some of this stuff that's holding me back. This morning, with your eyes closed for just a moment, if you're here and you'd say, you know what, you're reading my mail today, I've got some stuff I need to let go of, and the Holy Spirit's showing me some of that. Would you pray for me? Slip up your hand, I want to pray for you. God bless you. Thank you everywhere, all over this place. God, you see those hands. They represent hungry hearts. And God, we're asking you to come and do the work that only you can do to give new hope, new courage, new hunger for you, not just the things of this world. God, that you would do a work in each one of our lives and help us walk free from the, the limitations and the incarcerations of the enemy. We declare freedom in this house. We declare freedom in this church. We declare freedom from the past. Everything that's holding people back from fulfilling their mission destiny. Jesus' name. Just take a few minutes and just worship. As you do, just, just thank him for freeing you from whatever that is.
could be multiple things. So we worship. Just thank him for freeing you. 